0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 141 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley, Haley,
1: Nate, and Adam.
0: And we have a great episode for you guys this week. First, I wanted to make a very important announcement that if you haven't seen on our Twitter, you're going to want to check out right away, which is that we have probably, I think, maybe our most exciting giveaway that we've ever done.
2: I gotta say, for being a guy Swifty in this fandom, this is actually a really awesome giveaway.
0: So on last week's episode, we mentioned that the dress that Taylor wore a few weeks ago, the black and white one that has letters spelling out her name and wraparound sleeves, is available for purchase on her online store. Well, we are actually giving one away thanks to Heritage 66, the company that makes it, who is nice enough to donate one, actually, for us to give away, which was awesome of them to do. So we're doing that on our Twitter, which is at swiftcast Thirteen. You should follow us on there if you're not already. And all you have to do is go to our Twitter. You'll see the tweet at the top of the page and follow us and follow Heritage66 and retweet the giveaway tweet. And that is going to go until February 13th. So somebody will be very lucky to get this exact dress that Taylor wore. So make sure you check that out over the next couple of weeks. And also, before we get into our episode, we wanted to give a shout out to a couple of people that have emailed us lately. We love hearing from you guys, our listeners. We recently got an email from Brock, and we also recently got an email from, I hope I'm saying it right, Efren. We love hearing from you, so thanks for contacting us and telling us how you like the show and telling us some stuff about why you're a fan of Taylor. We always love reading emails like that, and we'd love to hear from more of you. It was awesome to hear from two guy Swifties within just a couple of weeks, since that's not always as common.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, I was actually really jazzed. Not just one, but two guy Swifties got a hold of us. We're so few out there in numbers. It's so nice to hear from the guys as well. Of course, obviously the girls, and we we love you girls. But it was really cool hearing from both of you guys.
0: So anyone out there listening, just feel free to email us anytime at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com and tell us what you thought about the latest episode or anything, really. We always love getting your emails. And a final reminder, we mentioned this on last week's episode, but it's getting really close. When this episode comes out, which should be on Wednesday, February 3rd, we will be just a couple of days away from the 1989 Benefit Tribute Concert in Nashville. That Nate and I are attending. We're super excited about it.
3: Yay!
2: Woo! I'm really jazzed. Seriously. It's going to be awesome. Like, it's a, it's such, like, an awesome thing to go to uh, between tour, and it goes to such a great cause. So, I can't even believe how stoked I am, I mean, for this thing.
0: It's in Nashville, and if you didn't hear on last week's episode, basically, an organization called Musician's Corner which is a group that puts on music programs throughout Nashville, is putting together this concert where different singer-songwriters from all over the place are all coming together for one night to perform both songs from 1989 Taylor's album as well as songs from the year 1989. So it's all basically a tribute to Taylor, and it's just so awesome that they're doing it in Nashville. And there's a lot of great performers, and we're going to be there live-tweeting for you guys hopefully posting some videos, interviewing some of the performers which you'll get to hear on an upcoming episode. So, definitely follow along with us on Twitter next weekend. And now it's time to flash back with some older tweets.
2: So, our first one for you guys comes from February 3rd of 2009. And Taylor tweets, rehearsed all day, picked out dresses for the Grammys tonight. If you guys remember, in 2009, uh, if if some of you were around, maybe some of you weren't, either way, uh, she wore this really just like elegant, simple, but very pretty black dress to the Grammys in 2009.
0: I just wonder if she's already picked out her dress for this year.
2: I bet she has. We're, what, two weeks away, right? Right. I could see it. Taylor always gets custom-made dresses. I know she's going to have, I mean, she already has something up her sleeve. I, I just know it. Well,
0: hopefully it's safe from the cats, so no incidents happen. (laughs)
3: well our next one comes from january 30th of 2010 it says i'd hug you right now but you're really sparkly and i know stuff would fall off and caitlin said that
2: i miss caitlin
3: was this the dress that had like all those mirror sparkly things on it
2: i don't know i wonder this this was definitely fearless era though
1: our next one comes from february 2nd 2011 Listening to Poison and Wine by The Civil Wars. You can't push repeat on vinyl, so I keep setting the needle back on my record player.
0: And so shortly after that tweet is when she got together with The Civil Wars to record Safe and Sound.
2: I thought so. I knew they were close. I was trying to remember.
0: Well, the song came out in 2012, so somewhere after this tweet, it happened. The next one is from February 5th of 2013, three years ago. I sang with Tim McGraw on a song on his new album. It's called Highway Don't Care, and it's out now, and I'm psyched about it. Check it out. That's such a good song.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's really underrated. Like, nobody talked about it much.
0: And the music video is really powerful, too.
2: It got a lot of country radio airplay, at least around here, because literally almost everybody around here listens to country music. But at least around here, to me, I don't know why you guys say that, because it seems like it was a lot bigger than, than maybe in your guys' area.
0: Well, I guess maybe it's just more so Taylor hasn't done much with it.
2: I suppose that's true. That's a good point. But I
0: guess that's not true because she did it at the CMA Fest and she also did it mm-hmm. at the ACMs.
2: Mhm. And she did do it on Red Tour. Yeah. By herself.
0: So I guess mm-hmm. it's just really we haven't heard it in a while
2: and I miss it. Very yeah, true. I know. I know exactly what you mean. Well, our next one for you guys comes from February 1st of 2014 and Taylor tweets about to put on my hat and walk slash frolic to the stage for our first of five shows at the O2 in London. Hashtag Red Tour London.
3: I'm so happy you got that one.
2: <laughs> Why do you say that?
3: Because I got to hear you say frolic.
2: Frolic. Yep, I knew it. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, those shows were significant because at the end of the London shows is when she first cut her hair short.
2: Oh, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about that.
0: And then it was that weird in-between time because she still had a couple red shows left, but not until June. So people are wondering, was she going to do those final shows with her hair short? And she did.
2: I think she did that for Speak Now, too, come to think of it. Didn't she straighten her hair?
0: Towards the end, yeah. I think for the Australian leg. Oh, that's funny. She just couldn't wait.
2: Just couldn't wait. So that means that puts us right on schedule, basically right about now, for a new hairstyle. That's right. I'm calling it now. You're here to hear first, people.
0: She'll debut all dark brown hair at the Grammys.
1: Looking back at that tweet really surprises me because she played five shows for the Red Tour at the O2 in London. And then for 1989, she played zero in London. Besides Hyde Park, the festival.
2: Maybe she just couldn't fit it in. Maybe there was something with O2 where they were trying to charge her too much or they didn't have open dates or something like that. I don't know. Could have been anything really, but it it is still very surprising.
0: But I do know that Hyde Park held a massive audience for that show.
3: Our next one comes from February 1st of 2015, exactly a year later. And she said, the girls and I got to talking and I'm overjoyed to announce that Haim will be joining the 1989 World Tour, touring with the squad.
1: And that must have been decided when they were on their Hawaiian vacation last year. Yeah, that's true.
0: I think that was the absolute best decision she made in terms of the tour i agree definitely
2: they were probably my favorite performance for the opening acts and i only got to see them once
0: technically twice
2: technically twice i suppose so i at one uh set of shows anyway it was the chicago shows so
0: yeah i saw them twice at metlife and then twice the following week in chicago and i was very sad i didn't get to see them anymore after that
3: i didn't get to see them at all
1: oh
0: She really should have had them at every show or at least in in Tampa for the last show.
1: Exactly. And our final one from today comes from February 1st, 2015, the same day she announced the Heim News. And Taylor wrote, Oh my God, and then put a link to Mariska Hargitay's Instagram photo. And the Instagram photo was a picture of her and Ellen Pompeo. And of course, she is Olivia Benson on SVU, and Ellen Pompeo is Meredith Gray on Gray's Anatomy. And they took a picture together, and they wrote, this one goes out to Taylor.
0: Well, those were some awesome older tweets. And now to catch you guys up on the past week, we'll go into Keeping Up With Swift. Our first piece of news is that Taylor hung out with her friend and our friend, Kelsey Ballerini, last week in L.A., Kelsey posted a picture of her and Olivia, and it had the caption, She was skeptical, I was allergic, but it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
3: I think this was so, so cute.
0: And it was nice to get a glimpse of what I assume might be Taylor's new L.A. house that we haven't really seen much of yet.
2: Well, our next bit of news, uh, Taylor posted a video of her petting Meredith with the caption, So how do you spend your time now the tour is over? And Meredith just kind of casually purring away and Taylor just kind of looking and slightly nodding into the, into the camera.
0: I just like that we got a confirmation that Meredith is indeed alive.
2: <laughs> we haven't had a Meredith one in a, in a long time, a long time. Meredith seems to
3: be really happy that tour is over.
2: <laughs> and especially of one of Meredith purring, because it seems very unlike her.
3: Our last, of news is Saraya posted a picture of her with Taylor and Camila with the caption, Saturdays are for group hugs.
1: There really isn't a whole lot of news going on in Taylor's world. It's all just social media posts.
2: Yeah, that's true. Hey, that's what I would do in my time off. Just hang out with my friends, kind of relax, recharge, you know. She's had a big year.
1: And there's only one thing on the upcoming calendar, and that is the 58th Grammy Awards, which are on February 15th. And as we know, Taylor has seven nominations, and of course the three big ones are for Album of the Year for 1989, Record of the Year for Blank Space, and Song of the Year for Blank Space. So we're almost there, and I can't wait.
0: Gosh, it seems like we've been anticipating the Grammys forever.
2: Oh, I know, seriously. Well, what was it? I mean, it's probably something like ten episodes ago, where we first did our, our Grammy predictions.
1: Yeah, it was at the beginning of December.
2: Yeah, episode 134 to be exact, if any of our listeners wanted to go back and take a listen. And still no update on if Taylor will perform.
1: No, I saw they've been announcing a few people here and there, haven't they?
2: Well, at this point in the game, I mean, do you guys even think that they'd still announce Taylor as a guest? I feel like she's too big to keep secret for that long, or to even accept this this late, I guess, without having to majorly rehearse, I mean, get costumes, you know, figure out everything that goes with that. I don't know.
0: I... I've said from the beginning, and I still think now, that she will not perform. They added a few people this week. They added Carrie Underwood, James Bay, and Sam Hunt, but I really feel like they would have added Taylor by now.
2: I kind of agree with that at this point. There's just way too much production involved, I think, for them to coordinate it in that small of a time frame.
0: And typically when someone performs at an award show, the benefit to the award show is they get to get promo out of announcing the performance so i can't imagine with the name as big as taylor that they wouldn't have announced it by now
1: i still kind of disagree i feel like she won't skip performing two years in a row so whether it be a surprise or we just hear you know in the last moments like the couple of days beforehand i still do think that we get a performance
2: from her
0: i hope you're right i really yeah, do I hope you're
2: right too yeah
0: And now moving on to our mini-segments, we have a couple of Swifty problems this week. The first one is from at RussellAndre13. I want to watch the 1989 World Tour Live so badly, but if I do that, I'll go to sleep at 12.53 a.m., which is not good. I mean, it's really not a question. You just watch it.
2: I'm betting he stayed up and watched it. That's what I'm betting. I think so. Well, our next one comes from at WackGinter on Twitter. And this one's really cool. Offended that Twitter didn't suggest Taylor Swift 13 as the first person I should follow. Hashtag Swifty problems. Hashtag my first tweet. What an awesome first tweet. That is cool. <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
0: Speaking of being offended at things like that, I've always been offended that when I post pictures of Taylor on Facebook, that my Facebook can't automatically tag Taylor in them. Because I feel like at this point, it should know.
2: My phone will now autocorrect anything taylor swift related to capital taylor capital swift nice
0: <laughs> it's very important
2: it is very important
0: and now it's time for our weekly fashion update nate's favorite section
2: Booyah!
3: our first one comes from taylor's instagram when she was petting meredith and she was purring oh so cute on january 28th she was wearing her topshot knitted genius jumper and that's 72 dollars but sadly it hasn't been available for a while
0: Somebody is selling one online for $1,000.
2: What? $1,000?
0: I've been looking for one for years because this is one of the few pieces of clothing that Taylor has kept and continued to wear over a long period of time.
3: It's the Magic Genius sweater. Everybody fits in it.
1: Our next one comes from January 26th when Taylor was leaving the gym in L.A., and she was wearing Under Armour Heat Gear Capris in Mega Magenta, thirty-nine ninety nine.
0: And that same week, January twenty-fifth, she was also leaving the gym and she wore the Under Armour Cool Switch Capris in black, which are forty-four ninety nine.
2: And finally, on January twenty sixth, in her Instagram picture with Kelsey Ballerini, Taylor wore a Brandy Melville Danny top. Only twenty three dollars.
0: Well, thank you, as always, to Tay Swift Style for tracking down all of Taylor's outfits. Hopefully, she comes out of hiding a little bit more in the next couple of weeks so we have some more outfits other than just gym clothes.
2: I've been digging the gym clothes. I don't know. I got to say. It's nice to see something uh, more down-to-earth and, and more casual, I guess.
0: I still want to know her workout playlist. I mentioned that last week. Now, for our main discussion, we wanted to share with you guys an awesome interview that we recorded earlier this month. As I think we've mentioned before, since Taylor's in the offseason, we've really been looking for opportunities to introduce you guys to new artists and new music and things that we think you'll like. And so a couple of weeks ago, Steph and I sat down and talked to a really awesome singer-songwriter that I discovered named Jeff LeBlanc. And I think you guys will really enjoy this interview. So here is our interview with Jeff LeBlanc.
4: I stay up too late. Got nothing on my brain That's what people say Mm -hmm. That's what people say Mm -hmm. I go on too many days But I can't make them stay At least that's what people say Mm -hmm. That's what people say Mm -hmm. But I keep I won't stop moving It's like I got this music In my body Say it's gonna be alright Cause the play is gonna play Play, 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 baby The is gonna hate, 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 hate baby. I'm just gonna say, say, say
0: now is a new up-and-coming artist that i'm really excited about and i actually discovered him when he was opening at kate vogel's show here in chicago a few months ago you guys might remember i'm a big fan of her we had her on for an interview last year and i was instantly hooked on his songs so since he released his first ep which is the signals ep in 2009 He's had two top 10 albums on the iTunes singer-songwriter chart. He's been featured on shows like Teen Mom, The Real World, and Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And he's toured the country with acts including Gavin DeGraw, Tori Kelly, Chris Stapleton, and many more. So he's currently touring to promote his latest album, Vision. And everyone, please welcome Jeff LeBlanc.
5: Yo, yo. Hey, that's me. That's you. (laughs) Hey.
0: Thanks for doing this.
5: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, technology is really cool. And whenever we can connect kind of in the interwebs, you know, it's it's pretty cool. So thank you for digging the show that night and for having me on.
0: No problem. Yeah, what was your reaction when I asked you to come on the Taylor Swift podcast?
5: Sure. No, it was really cool because um, I guess as independent artists, we get we get a lot of requests for these kind of things. But, you know, you sent along kind of what you guys are about and I went and listened to a couple and and I was really impressed and also there's a lot of people listening which is really cool because sometimes I've been asked to like do an interview and I'll go and I'll look and there's like three people reading it and it's like somebody's mom and I'm like I feel really (laughs) bad I'm like I I wanted you know this is gonna be a few hours of my day but like you want to give everyone an opportunity but I see you guys are doing some like really exciting stuff so I was like stoked to be asked to be on it you know.
0: Yeah, you know, we've been doing this for a few years. We started doing Taylor's Red Tour, and right now she's kind of in an off-season, so we try and use that time to feature other artists that we like, that we think our listeners will like.
5: Very cool. Yeah, I mean, when I was um, in high school, uh, which was many, many moons ago, not well, not too many, I mean, I'm 29. I'm, you know, all the 15-year-olds <laughs> just got really upset. But um, <laughs> when I was in high school, there was a thing called the My Stupid Mouthboard for – john mayer fans and there was i think a jason mraz one and all you know howie day one but like the my stupid Mouthboard, those people are still going on it you know and they always have like the information before everybody else and they they talk about things about john and it's always really cool when artists have fans that care so much and that's what we're all trying to do it for you know so when i saw that you guys are putting this together for taylor and and been going for several years it's really cool you know
0: i think that How I first reacted to your performance when I saw you was that your songs reminded me of a cross between Vance Joy and Ed Sheeran, which are obviously artists that, as Taylor fans, we really like.
5: Nice. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with Vance. I mean, like I know he has a couple songs on the radio, but I see his name more and more, and it's just like kind of one of those things where it's a matter of time where I feel like I just have to dive on in and um, get more involved than just the radio single. But um, in terms of Sharon, that's really cool because he's kind of like the acoustic guy now. You know, when I first started, I was about nineteen, twenty, starting playing coffee house shows and stuff. You know, that was very much the Dave Matthews, John Mayer, Jason Mraz, Howie Day, uh, Ryan Cabrera time. You know, that was everyone was coming out at that time, and those guys have you know they're all doing their own thing at this point in their career. But now, when I go to a college campus, when someone comes up to me and says, well, what kind of music do you play? I feel like Ed Sheeran is a good comparison just because it's it's really current. And he's awesome. <laughs> so like whenever somebody.
0: Yeah, we're big Ed fans.
5: <laughs> yeah, totally. And like he is kind of um, he shows you like he can just roll into a stadium and play solo. And it's really cool. So I love playing solo shows. I'm going to be doing a few full band shows this spring. But the solo show is always my bread and butter. And it's been my bread and butter just because, like, I drive around the country by myself and play these songs. And um, the full band thing is fun, too, because, like, I get to a point where, like, I've played a few hundred solo shows and I'm like, all right, I really need to play with a band just for my sanity. And then I'll play some shows with a band and then I'm like, all right, let me just go back to just being myself and, you know, hanging out and having some mozzarella sticks or something and <laughs> <laughs> and-, and some kale. And so I got to be healthy, too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I think what you said about Ed is so true, how he just shows up to a stadium by himself and can just fill the room. And that was what sort of struck me about your performance at Kate's show. You know, everyone was just hanging out, you know, eating dinner, having some wine at this venue. And then you didn't have any band with you that night. It was just you and the guitar. And I feel like you really captured the audience's attention.
5: Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean... uh that's always my goal. I know being an opener is kind of like a conversation you didn't sign up for. You don't you don't really know what to expect. So it can go one way or the other. You know, it's usually a 50-50 split. Usually people really like an opener or they're like just ready to see their the person they paid money to see. So my job is to try and win you over and also have a good time. You know, uh, I have some sad songs, but whenever I have like 25 or 30 minutes, I try to Give it all I got, and, you know, and win you over. Especially that that venue, City Winery, is really cool because everybody's kind of mellow and you know a little buzzed on the wine. So I feel like I I have an advantage right away. And the food is good, and uh, that's kind of like the wave of the future now with the intimate venues is uh, like high quality food and everybody in a good mood. You know, it, it makes my job easier than when it's like a rock club and everybody's wasted (laughs) those are those are the hard ones
0: yeah for sure (laughs) well i feel like your set that night was sort of half songs and like half stand-up comedy
5: oh yeah i think it was because i was jet-lagged and i was like extra weird (laughs) i'm probably weird right now too because i just did a show the other night and um it was like a one-off where it's kind of the chicago scenario where i literally just fly in play the show fly home and uh I just flew to Rochester, which it's like a seven hour drive for me. But I just was like, I don't feel like being in the car for 14 hours. So let me build up my Southwest points, you know, and then you got to do a bunch of different flights and blah, blah, blah. I come home and I play basketball a couple times a week whenever I'm home and I play basketball and I took the, like the nastiest elbow ever. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like the whole side of my head is really black and blue. And I, don't know. Oh, I think I would diagnose myself with a mild concussion. So if I say anything weird, we'll just blame it on that. But maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll lead to some funny bits. I don't know. It was one of those things where like I tried to be the tough guy like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And like I was like, having trouble walking so um yeah it was was like the biggest dude on the court ran into me but i'll be okay i think i just need like one more day and then i'm gonna try and get back on the old treadmill i just don't want to be the guy that falls off the treadmill yeah no that's no (laughs) don't do that i've never fallen off a treadmill but i've seen it and it's just it's really it's one of my biggest fears being dropped in the middle of the ocean and falling off a treadmill are two of my biggest fears i think i don't know if anyone else has those fears (laughs) (laughs) I think it's from watching Titanic too much.
0: <laughs> um, I remember one of the things you were talking about at that show was how you decided to go to Nashville to make your last album. Yeah. What was that like or how did you decide to make it in Nashville?
5: I've actually made most of my music in Nashville. I don't know what drew me there originally. I think it was, I was just shopping for producers on my first EP and um this guy steven Gauz came up and he made some music that i really liked and just kind of went down there on a whim and i've been working with steven pretty much ever since now i've done a bunch of stuff in the northeast you know like a acoustic track or a single or something like that i'll record up here in new york or connecticut or or you know something like that but nashville's just a really cool city and everybody um Originally, when I went there, I thought it was going to be a very southern city. And being from New York, you know, I was a little worried, like, you know, they weren't going to be very welcoming to, like, the Yankee, but... um, Oh,
0: they totally are.
5: Yeah, well, I feel like everybody's from New York, Chicago, and L.A. that lives there (laughs) because the rent rent is better. And, um, you know, that's kind of the hub of music. So, yeah, I really love the city and, and the food and just the energy. It's kind of expanding a little bit faster than they expected it to from 2009 which was the first time I went there to 2015 I was there the amount of traffic has uh, become quite bad it's kind of getting LA new yorkish and I was like when I first went there I was like man I could get from my hotel to downtown in like 5 minutes and now it's like really bad but um, yeah I think it's it's become the place to go and it's not just country music anymore you know they're making making everything down there and country music itself is kind of changing um you know there's like the bro country, and then there's the Chris Stapleton Casey Musgraves country, which is kind of throwing it back and It's just like a really interesting time of a lot of different genres and stuff happening down there, you know
0: and would you classify yourself in sort of the acoustic rock genre? I don't know if that's the right term,
5: yeah, I think the the last record the vision record, I would lean a little bit more like the way we produced it. And like some of the sounds on there. Yes, it is. I guess it's acoustic pop kind of. um, There's a little bit more R&B, like the track Stumbled and the track Occupy are like as R&B as I've ever gone. And I've always been kind of scared to go that kind of timberlake Sam Smith way. Just because like sometimes you can come off as really hacky if you're trying to do something that you're not. But I've always really been into R&B. It's just been finding the way to make it sound like myself. That was like one of the hardest things to do as an artist. And the last eight years, it's taken me a long time to sound like myself because, you know, getting compared to Sheeran and stuff is there. That's great. But for a while, it was always like, oh, you sound exactly like and you sound exactly like and now it's you remind me of, which is a lot better than you sound exactly like, you know, because I sound like myself. But it's just it's getting other people to jump on board with that, you know.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that every artist sort of struggles with that, especially in the beginning and on the first couple of albums. You know, you get feedback from a lot of people, but you have to sort of balance what you want to listen to versus sort of following your gut, I guess. Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah, because it's very easy to just, uh, you know, like the the first John Mayer record, everyone said, oh, this sounds exactly like Dave Matthews. But, you know, who would have expected him to have the career that he's had? Uh, I felt like that record, that first that Room for Squares album was an amazing album. That was like my high school times, you know? And, um, I I knew the guy was great, but I didn't realize what he would go on to. Uh, but I'm sure he's, he's definitely, if you listen to his first album to now, his voice has changed considerably the way he sings, how he pronounces things. And, uh, I feel the same way. If I put my first album on, it's way breathier than it is now. It's just because I've learned how to sing better. I've, taken vocal lessons I've you know just grown up my voice has probably changed from when I was 23 to 29 so but yeah I think finding your sound is one of the hardest things to do and I feel with the last album I'm probably the most proud of any album just because I feel like it's totally my sound and the way I wanted it to sound in my head how it came out you know
0: and so recently in the past couple of years a lot of your songs have been popping up on it seems like a lot of reality tv shows
5: yeah, they have. They always seem to make a good uh background for a make out scene somewhere. Um <laughs> the I can I can laugh at my own jokes, right? Um Yeah, the, there was a couple records there that really got a lot of uh stuff on on the Teen Mom, Kardashian, uh I am Kate, all these different shows. I think my music is um I guess you could if you could throw it in a bucket it would be easy listening. It's it's kind of Easy to place, and my lyrics. I I try to write very clear lyrics. I have a few friends that, you know, sometimes criticism is that their lyrics aren't clear. You know, people say, I can't understand what you're saying. So I've tried to be very clear with what I'm singing about, that you can understand it. And I think that the television placement people feel the same way just because they can understand kind of what I'm saying that goes with their scene, you know. And, um, that's been a good benefit for me and also the music just kind of it's it's usually like a laid back groove so it fits well when like one of the teen moms is leaving their boyfriend and uh, (laughs) (laughs) moving back to kansas or something and uh yeah but i've been fortunate in that way the last year or so there hasn't been as much but it's very funny like the time it takes for the music to go through the clearance and everything it takes so long so like this new record that just came out it might get placed in like 2017 it's very slow wow yeah it's very slow and then sometimes things are very fast like it, there's just no rhyme or reason because i'll get a placement on a song that's like five years old i'm like they're still using that and they're like yeah they really liked it they just found it so or they just cleared it you know uh. so there's there's just like no rhyme or reason with it
0: that's so interesting yeah do you have like an ultimate dream show that you would love if your songs got on?
5: Hmm. I don't know. For my mom's sake, I would probably say Grey's Anatomy. I feel like if a song got on Grey's Anatomy, my mom (laughs) would think I made it big. Just because like everybody that's had a song on Grey's Anatomy is like, you know, like Ingrid Michaelson has made a career out of being on Grey's Anatomy.
0: Yeah. Taylor had songs on there back when
5: she started. Oh yeah. Which song was on Grey's Anatomy? White Horse. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, look at that. I need to follow in her footsteps and get on Grey's <laughs> Anatomy. See, I picked the right show. That's
0: it. I think you just need to start tweeting at Grey's Anatomy and Shonda Rhimes that you're a big fan of the show, and I feel like that's what Taylor did. She talked about the show all the time and how much she loved it, and then she got on.
5: Yeah, that's a, maybe. That's something I'll have to do. I feel like I'm always like one step late to the game. Like I really wanted to invest in Chipotle, and now it's like <laughs> everybody, you know. Well, now they're having problems, but. Like, everybody loves Chipotle. I'm pretty much convinced that my college roommate came up with the scenario for Uber back in, like, 2005. He was just like, dude, why don't we, like, just, like, drive around on the weekends and pick up everybody and, like, they'll text us. And I was like, man, that's a really good idea. So I'm, like, one step behind. I need to think of, like, the next good thing to submit to. So, like, Grey's Anatomy, is it even going to be on the air much longer? I should probably find something else. And submit to that. Maybe I should try and get on like Family Feud or something. That would be really good.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that would be. So are you working on your next album right
5: now? I'm actually kind of like in between writing. I write almost like a, a term paper when I set myself like a deadline and say, I want to put an album out at this time. And then I just start writing for it. So like the album being only about six months old, I'm still pushing it really hard. But I just started thinking about going the singles route, which is what a lot of people have been doing. Is uh, My friend Kevin Garrett had like three singles that he's put out on Spotify and everything. And uh, gotten a lot of traction doing that rather than the full album. I feel like the general audience likes to stomach one song at a time. So I was thinking about maybe I can write a really R&B song and put out a single. And then I can write a really acoustic song and put it out as a single rather than worry about a whole album at a time. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about is the next goal. I, I'm more of an old school person. I love an album, but I'm also trying to roll with the times. And I think people get really excited about a song and then it goes away. And then another song comes, you know, where sometimes the, that's one thing about Taylor that the 1989 record, I feel like another song just keeps coming, you know, now, <laughs> yeah. now I was like, Out of the Woods, I just heard it on the radio. I'm like, it's amazing how another song just keeps coming down the pipeline where a lot of artists are, you know, it's always the one song and you get sick of it and then you move on. I am driving a rental car right now because, uh, long story short, my 2011 Liberty, which has a lot of miles on it, had something go wrong with it and they can't get the part. Which is the strangest thing to me in the world. It's been off the road for two months. Literally, Jeep themselves cannot get the part for their own car. Wow. Yeah, it's it's. I've been dealing with corporate. It's a long story, but anyway, uh, I've been driving a rental car and I've been stuck listening to regular radio. I don't have satellite in this car, and it's just amazing how there's like literally twelve songs on the radio,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and all the channels. Yeah, twelve songs. Yeah,
5: sounds just, right. You know, I really liked "Hello" by Adele. The first, like, you know, 600 times on I've heard it, but now I'm like, okay, it's been driving me crazy. But that's why when I'm flipping through the stations and I hear, like, Out of the Woods on one channel, I hear Blank Space on one channel, I hear Shake It Off, uh, I hear Style, and I'm missing one that's another single. Oh. Wildest Dreams. Wildest Dreams. Yeah. So I'm like, it's amazing that there's five songs off that record.
0: So she's five out of the 12 songs on the radio. <laughs> right five, now, yeah,
5: oh, It's like crazy. I mean, Shake It Off is kind of like, you know, once in a while, but it's just amazing. The power of that record and how deep it goes. Um, I'm trying to think of which is the one I'm really bad with song titles with everybody. Uh, I think it's out of style. No. Yes. Out of style. But I came on the other day and it just, it sounded, I hadn't heard it in a while and it, it sounded like it was brand new again. You know, it was like, uh, the groove just started uh, the way it starts in that guitar and I was like oh man I love this song <laughs> I was like driving down the road blasting it and it reminded me of I toured with Parachute this summer and they did an acoustic version of it which was pretty cool those guys were a lot of fun
6: yeah I think you're right I think today a lot of people just put out albums with a few really good songs that will be singles and then the rest of the album is just sort of filler mm-hmm. but you and Taylor have the different perspective that an album even though it's sort of a throwback is still a package and it should be a cohesive package that just people want to hear the whole thing Mm -hmm.
5: yeah i mean it's it's always a as someone in my position and i have a lot of friends that are you know some artists that are uh i wouldn't that i've see i guess it depends on how you look at things half empty or half full someone would say that uh, my friend Jesse says to me all the time, he's like, dude, you should be gracious that you're up at bat. Like, I, he compares it to baseball, like a single, double, triple homer. And, like, I haven't had a homer yet. I would say a homer is Taylor or Ed Sheeran or, you know, any of those people with hit songs. Hit song, you know. um, I qualify hit song as, does my mom know it? You know, because she's like the generic radio. She only knows what's on the radio, essentially. And I haven't gotten there yet, but. I've probably gotten to second and uh, you know, hit a double and I've toured with a lot of amazing people. I've had a lot of great song placements and stuff on Sirius X and you know, I have a song like my song Lost Tonight is is spinning on the Coffee House channel now. And yeah, I've just I gotta be gracious that I'm up at bat and like I'm still trying to hit that home run and I might just gravitate towards a single thing just because it's easier to promote sometimes it, albums are so expensive when you don't have a record deal and it's it's a lot of work and i I, re, I did like a really a ton of work on this last one just to like you said about the filler thing is just like i i tried to make sure there was no filler on this one
4: mm mm-hmm.
5: not that there's been filler on my past but there's a few songs that i was like oh i could, probably could have written a better song to fit that you know that seventh spot where on this one i felt like i didn't i didn't leave anything on the table and every artist so he says, like, well, my new record is my best, but I really think as I've grown, and also I co-wrote with, on this one with people that I'm really big fans of, and I think that shined through. Like Kevin Garrett, we wrote three songs together, Liz Longley and I wrote two songs together, and I love their individual music, so the fact that we got to combine efforts was really cool.
0: Yeah, I think that what we hear a lot from people like Taylor and Ed, they're like, I wrote 50 or 60 songs for this 15-song album, and that's crazy to me because I feel like there must be all these great songs that we'll never get to hear, but I also think it's helpful when you make sure that every song on the album is exactly what should be on there.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, probably Taylor and Ed are in a position now where they have, you know, with so many hit songs and such a huge fan base that they could go into the record company and say, look, I'm putting this song on regardless of what you tell me. But I think when you first start off, I think just from my experience of being around artists, being at record companies in that big boardroom with everybody in there and having all those kind of meetings, I think when you make your first album, there might be that experience of, oh, here's the, we'll give you the one or two that you want, but then like these eight you need to do. Yeah. And whether it's from your catalog or it's They set you up with co writers and whatnot. I think they can, you know, they kind of control the mix. I heard about this one artist that, like, the version of the song on the album is like the 73rd mix of the song. They couldn't decide on, like, the level of the bass and stuff. And I was just like, that would drive me insane. Just because, like, when I when I mix my album, I do a first mix, a second mix, a third mix, and then I send it to mastering. I mean, I'm, I I kind of know what I want, but when I heard that they were doing the seventy third mix on this track, I was just like, "That's the reason sometimes you don't want a record deal because it's like I'd rather just control it myself and I know what I want to hear." You know, mm-hmm. that stuff scares me. But they can also take you to the promised land. So, it's like, which uh, you come to that fork in the road, and which way do you go? You know, do you give up your creativity a little bit to potentially get more success? Or do you go the direction um, you stay true to your roots and hope that that success comes your way?
0: Well, you mentioned Spotify a little while ago and releasing some of your singles there. And I wanted to ask you, you know, Taylor has been very vocal lately about how streaming services need to pay artists for their songs being streamed. How do you feel about that? Do you I mean, of course, you want to be paid, but would you rather just have more exposure? even if you weren't getting paid or what's sort of your take on
5: that? Yeah. I've always been kind of in Taylor's ring on this one. It's very cool that she does that because she kind of has the throne and people and she has the megaphone and people will listen. If I said the argument that she said people would tell me, Oh, you're just oh, you're just a guy with a guitar, shut up <laughs> You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's very cool that she does that. I've just, even from the start of my career uh, on Long Island, uh, Long Island has a very competitive music scene, and there's not many venues, and especially I was coming up at a time that there was that whole, like, Taking Back Sunday, Brand New, all those kind of, like, I, I don't know what genre you'd call them, uh, emo bands, I guess, that was all happening, and a lot of times there would be, like, eight or ten bands on a bill, and, like, everybody had to pay you had to buy 50 tickets and then you would sell those tickets and whatever you didn't sell, you had to pay the promoter for those tickets left over. So it was essentially a ransom. And um, that's the way people played shows around here. And I just never got involved in that. And I just said, I I can't do that. Like if you're playing a show, you should be paid for it. If um, you know, you're selling an album, people should pay for it. But I've had to adjust as well. I mean like Spotify, the amount of people that come up to me after a show And say I heard you on Spotify or I listened to your album on Spotify. Each year has gotten, you know, it went from maybe 25% of the people to maybe 60% of the people. So I understand that Spotify is an important tool and that I need to put more effort into it. So the last year, I really put more effort into getting playlist opportunities. And, you know, I I saw my plays increase uh, greatly, but I totally understand where someone like Taylor would say, I'm not going to put my music on there just because... I'd rather someone buy it and I think she she has the right to do that and look at Adele she made the same decision and I think it's worked out for her. People will buy it if they want it and that's a uh that's the truth of the matter. So for me it's just I don't have I, I do have a nice fan base of course but it's not big enough yet where I can pull that kind of move, you know. Yeah. I wish I could, but I think when people believe in something they'll buy it. So there's still that that element of things, but in terms of Spotify, I just have to go with the flow and and hope it goes the right way. I, I enjoy Spotify. Again, I'm old school. I like to buy an album, but I've kind of come around on it.
0: And I know you have a few dates on your website that are upcoming this year. Do you have plans to tour a lot to add more shows?
5: Yeah, my touring is kind of like a 365, seven days a week. <laughs> there's, a chance, there's a chance that something's going to happen. So uh, I don't really do like a formal tour, uh, where I roll out dates. Like I'm just going to be constantly adding dates. So I hope to be back to the West coast. I haven't been there since, um, the middle of 2014. So I hope I'll be back there and, uh, back to the Midwest in Chicago. That was a lot of fun. So, you know, there's a lot of places I want to hit. I haven't been to the Southeast in a little while. So it's kind of just like adding things constantly. I do a lot of college shows. So I think we have about 15 or so booked for the spring with like a bunch more that are going to come in and then adding more and more club and theater shows as they come in. But hopefully, you know, things just like constantly emerge like last summer to go out on Parachute's acoustic tour. Like that came out of nowhere and uh, same with like the Tori Kelly shows and things just seem to happen. So I just let it build on its own, but I never really have a formal tour rollout. It's always just kind of like, keep checking my website (laughs) you know please check again soon and uh, maybe your city will be on there
6: one thing i wanted to ask about was you did a cover of adele and you've actually talked a little bit about adele today you did send my love to your new lover on youtube Mm -hmm. and i liked that version it was really good thank you and i was just wondering whether you have a favorite taylor song you've talked a little bit about how you like everything that's been on the radio from 1989 Mm -hmm. But I was just wondering if you had a favorite one and maybe if you would cover it.
5: Um, I really liked Welcome to New York when I first heard it just because being from New York, I really uh, know what she's talking about and how it's just kind of like a game-changing place, you know, and stepping out and seeing it for the first time. And I live about an hour from New York City, but I'm literally there all the time, and it seems new to me every time. So. Welcome to New York was really cool, and they were featuring on the uh, on the Nick games for a while, which was pretty cool. So like whenever I was watching <laughs> it, they, that song was in my head all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, 1989 was just like a record that I I listened to straight through a lot, and I should probably be referencing more of the kind of the older catalog because while I wouldn't consider myself like I, I don't want to like compare myself to you guys because uh, you know that would almost be insulting, but I. I have been kind of listening to her for a while, and uh, I'm looking at my iTunes, and it it seems embarrassing that I would be listening to 15 alone in my room, but um, (laughs) (laughs) maybe I I have, and I probably know the word. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, 22 has a special place in my heart, too. I, I think that song's really cool. And my friend was DJing in a country bar, and he would always play that song. And I probably sang along drunk a few nights to that. <laughs> after I broke up with my girlfriend, <laughs> so that is a special place, but yeah, I think that's that's it i mean i uh I dig Taylor's music and her her direction. I think one of the coolest things she's done recently is that small concert in the clive davis uh theater
0: the Grammy yeah. the Grammy concert, yeah,
5: yeah, I think that that should be if I was her or if I was her manager, I would say you should do like an acoustic album or an acoustic tour or a solo tour.
0: Oh, we've been talking a lot about that. I think that's our dream.
5: Yeah. I I know, like, logistically, see, just from being on the other side of the music business, a lot of times the agents um, would say, oh, we can only put her in... And, you know, that kind of style venue, it only holds, like, four or 500 people. And logistically, it's not going to... A, people are going to freak out about tickets, and then it's not going to make enough money. But I, I don't know. It just that version of Wildest Dreams is my favorite version of that song. So it would be great if she could do something like that. Or, you know, even if it's like three nights at the Beacon Theater in New York City or something and, you know, or House of Blues in Chicago, for example, and you do three nights there and it's just her on a piano and guitar. I think that'd be really cool.
0: I referenced this a lot on the show. I've talked about it so many times, but years ago I was talking to the head of her record label and I asked him, And this was even before the Red Album. I asked him, would she ever play Joe's Bar in Chicago? Because she was still a country artist at the time. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think the building would explode. And that was (laughs) 2012. So now (laughs) I can't even imagine. But it would be amazing. I would love to see her in that environment.
5: Yeah, it would be really cool. I think um, there's a special place for those kind of shows. I saw, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy, Jamie Cullum, but this english uh british piano player he he's kind of like a mix of jazz pop a little bit of everything but uh i saw him many times but i saw him he did two shows in new york at the town hall which is like kind of a 1000 person 1500 person theater but he also did one at joe's pub which is like a 200 it's like city winery essentially and um i remember that one just way more just because it's like you're so close to him and you get to hear the stories and everything so i think after seeing that clip of wildest dreams i was like man this would be really cool if she did that next you know she's always got something really cool planned so maybe that was like the tease and we can only hope right we can only hope yeah cool
0: Thanks again so much for taking the time to talk to us. I loved hearing all of these stories from you. And um, for all of you guys at home, you should definitely check out jeffleblancmusic.com as well as on iTunes. That's where you can find all of the albums, the tour dates as he adds them and everything else.
5: Cool. Thank you guys for having me. I hope I was entertaining. I'm sorry I'm a little concussed, so I might have said <laughs> some weird things. But uh, yeah, I had a good time. Thank you for having me. And I'll be um, you know hanging with you on this podcast now. Now that I'm now I'm in I I feel like I can be an honorary uh, Taylor Swift. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
0: You're one of us now.
5: Yeah. Oh, last I have a question for you. I wanted to see this is I hope this doesn't go too long. I can yak it up all no, day. No, no, it's fine. Um what was your feeling uh cuz I opened up my Taylor Swift iTunes and I I was curious what your feeling is on the uh Ryan Adams record.
0: Well, yeah, we've definitely talked a lot about that on our episodes.
5: I know I'm late to the game here on that, but uh, yeah, I just figured I'd ask you because I see it in here and I'm like, I want to hear your opinion on it. I've taken over this show.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's okay. We could talk about Taylor all day. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was really cool that he decided to do that. I bought the album. I've listened to the whole thing a few times. Some of the versions I like more than others, but I think overall... You know, he obviously had to get permission from Taylor to create this, and I think it was Mm -hmm. smart of her to let him do that, and that it gave 1989 a lot more attention, even a year after it had been out. And it's always awesome to see, as Taylor said about it, him taking one of her songs and putting a totally different emotional
5: feel on it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because it it was essentially a re-release for 1989 without them re-releasing it, just because it had to bring her album so much more attention just from the amount of people looking at Ryan's version i definitely dug it i thought it was like you said i i think there were certain ones i gravitated to more than others but i i thought the idea and the concept was really cool to just do an entire out the not just do one song but do the whole album you know maybe i should have done that with adele and maybe i'd be considered a genius <laughs> right now <laughs> i'm hoping i'm hoping that send your love To new lover is her next single so that way like the whole world goes and looks at my youtube version i tried to thank you for (laughs) watching that i thought um i tried to do my own spin on it and i went into the studio and did the little video and recorded it but i literally like went in and had no plan like i just like kind of knew the song and i kind of knew the words and i said okay Let's just see what happens here, and then whatever whatever I create is what I thought of first. Because oftentimes what you think of first is the best idea. When I'm trying to come up with a caption on Instagram, the first thing I think of is always the best. Whenever I try and come up with something second, it's never as good. Which, by the way, this is the latest creation I'm thinking of. Like, my friend tried to create Uber, like, ten years ago. There needs to be an app that uh, helps you caption your picture. I don't know if this exists already, Please don't steal my idea. But I really think um, like if you had a picture at a concert and then sometimes the hardest thing is coming up with a caption. I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel that way. I feel that way. But
0: yeah, I think with Instagram, a lot of people probably feel that way.
5: I need to come up. With, all right. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to come up with this app. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. It seems very daunting. Uh, but if it like if it could somehow look at the picture and like give you like three options for a like a cool quote or something without you having to sit there and think, cause sometimes I come up, I take the picture and I'm like, Oh man, but the, if the caption sucks, then it's going to ruin this picture. So, uh, that's what I think about in my daily life. Uh, <laughs> I should probably be writing more songs, and getting another single out, but that's what I think about. Uh, but thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I hope I was a good time and entertained all you fine people out there. And, uh, Please come to a show, say hello. That's what keeps us going. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the music. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you.
6: Thanks.
0: Before we go, we wanted to share one of Jeff's songs with you. This is Jeff's latest single called Lost Tonight, which is actually being played on SiriusXM's Coffeehouse channel right now. So that's pretty cool. And if you guys like it, you can go buy it on iTunes. So we hope you enjoy it. And here is Lost Tonight.
4: Try so hard You've got me going We've come so far And we both know it So baby let's get lost tonight Hold my hand into the light I promise I won't try to fight If you and me are meant to be in darling. I won't let you leave my sight Ever since the day I saw you You've been on my mind I can't make you change But I keep trying Lost night If you and me meant to be then I won't leave Ever since the day I saw you you've been lost
0: hope you guys enjoyed our interview with jeff leblanc and just a couple of reminders before we go press the subscribe button on itunes and it'll download the latest episodes for you automatically every week which you're definitely going to want to do because we have some awesome ones coming up
2: awesome ones
0: we really do you don't want to miss it
2: i'm serious yeah we got some really cool stuff lined up for you guys
0: and if you're not following us on twitter at swiftcast 13 make sure to do that so you get in on our giveaway that's ongoing our Tumblr is also SwiftCast13. You can find us at Instagram.com TheSwiftCast13 at Facebook.com TheSwiftCast. You can email us at TheSwiftCast13 at gmail.com and all of this is on our website at SwiftCast13.com. So what do we think Taylor will do this week? It's so hard to say lately. Probably not too much.
1: Well, I remember last year during the Super Bowl, I believe Taylor tweeted about a specific commercial. I think it was the McDonald's one. So I predict that during the Super Bowl, Taylor will tweet again about either a commercial that she thought was funny or she thought it was clever or something along those lines.
0: I imagine she would probably throw the most epic Super Bowl parties.
2: I agree. With lots of baked goods.
3: I think she will probably post more pictures of Meredith and Olivia since she's spending more time with them.
0: I hope so. I need constant confirmation that Meredith is still alive.
2: I think she's just going to load up on carbs for the next few months and kind of do what she wants. She doesn't have to wear any crop tops.
0: That was a direct quote from Taylor that you stole and tried to make <laughs> it your own. It may hand.
2: have happened. <laughs> but it's so perfect. <laughs> uh
0: Well, that's all for now, but we hope you enjoyed this episode. For episode 141, this has been Ashley, Haley,
1: Nate, and Adam.
3: And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.
2: See ya. Later.
3: Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with
4: Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.